BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome back to an episode of Clutch Gene Sports. I'm with my host, Rohan Chakavarti. How's it going, Rohan? Hey, we're doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. We're, today's episode, we're going to be bringing everyone the talk everyone's been waiting for. We're going to be getting the 49ers versus the Detroit Lions. All of the fun business right after this 30-second video. I'm getting a 30-second video working on that one for everyone, so coming soon now. Welcome back to an episode of Clutch Gene Sports. As I said, I'm getting together a video intro. Video will not be the 30 second video. Um, after hopefully within a couple of weeks, working on one of those for us. Well, Rohan, a lot of things have happened since last time we spoke. The Niners moved on to the NFC Championship. The Detroit Lions moved on to the NFC Championship and picked up a very big win um, yep. against the Tampa Bay Bucks. NFC Championship weekends here. AFC Championships here as well, but. More importantly, the 49ers are hosting the Detroit Lions in what should be a high explosive offensive attack. Um, what were your initial thoughts when you heard that the 49ers were playing the Detroit Lions? Well, I think it stems back to, you know, not just this weekend, but the weekend before when the 49ers entered the NFC playoff race after the wild card round, you find out that. Dallas is eliminated. You find out Detroit's eliminated. Oh, sorry, not Detroit. You found out the Rams are eliminated. You also find out that the Philadelphia Eagles are eliminated, who we both thought, you know, were three of the top contenders, if they're going to be one, to face the 49ers in the NFC. Now, when you talk about the remainder of the playoff race, I was thinking going into divisional round with the way that Green Bay was playing, the winner of the NFC was going to come out of that game. And I think that that take still stands. I think if Green Bay won, I still would probably take them even on the road against the Lions or the Buccaneers. But when you look at the two different games, I mean, I think Detroit clearly showed they were the better team against Tampa Bay. They were able to run the ball well, despite Tampa Bay having a guy like Vita Vea right in the middle of their defense. You know, they were able to use their offensive line, their run scheme to open things up both on the inside and the outside, inside more with Montgomery, outside more with Jameer Gibbs in space. I think that was, you know, the bread and butter. And you saw a bit of a difference with the Lions passing attack. Goff threw for... Uh, about 287 yards, 30 completions, 
43 pass attempts. The point of me saying that is that it was shorter passes. He averaged under 10 yards per completion. And then if you're looking at it on a per pass basis, it was, I believe, only 6.7 yards. It was a bunch of shorter passes, but it was at a high efficiency. And the Lions were able to click things together offensively, a difference from their first game. So I think this is two, uh, two, two, two teams, like you said, with high octane offenses that can both excel with the run and the pass. What did you think? So when I initially saw that we were playing the Lions, I I, I like the matchup for the 49ers, not so much for the Detroit Lions. And the reason is, is number one thing is we're looking at the quarterback rankings. Jared Goff would be a lot lower on the initial rankings than most quarterbacks enter the playoffs. So for me, I was like, okay, Jared Goff is a very beatable quarterback for us. Um, definitely when you look at the Detroit Lions, um, they're a team who, when they played bad teams, such as the Chicago Bears recently, they played really bad. And for me, I think that was the biggest decision when I was watching them is like, well, we're playing a team that's exceeded their expectations, that's done better than what they normally are. Um, even this year, they haven't been a great team. In the playoffs, they have not been great. Um, defensively, their defense has been struggling in the playoffs. So for me, initially, my, my initial thoughts were the 49ers have the easiest route to the Super Bowl that they've had from 2019 season to the 2020 season when they fell, came come up short. This is the easiest route they've had to the Super Bowl in a very long time. Playing Jordan Love, who isn't the Aaron Rodgers for the Packers, even though the Packers, in my opinion, were a better team this year than those teams. You're playing a Detroit Lions team that is young, a Detroit Lions team that is inexperienced. Doesn't have plays. Yeah, doesn't have playoff experience, really. So you're going up against the most one of the most experienced teams in the playoffs. In my opinion, I think the Niners have the experience on their side. Um, you also have a very pissed off Debo Samuel, who he and CJ Gardner Johnson have beef with, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But also now you also have Eric Armstead on Instagram calling out. Um, oh, I, I believe it was two years ago in 2022. Uh, or last year in 2022 when he called out Dan Skipper. Uh, yeah. He called out Dan Skipper for using racial slurs. Um, so it's definitely personal for a lot of players on the 49ers. And it's one of those ones where when you make it personal with the 49ers, it's probably the worst thing you could possibly do, um, making things personal. Now, Kyle Shanahan's game plan is going to be a little bit different than last week's game plan. We don't know if Debo Samuel is going to go. Now, he ha he did practice limited in a limited fashion today, um, but we also have heard that from my understanding is Debo is a full go no matter what this game. It's going to be a full go Debo because he gets a week off and he is willing to put it all, all on the line for a Super Bowl shot. And for me, that means he's going to get shot up with a painkiller and he will be a full go. Get a little bit of that toward all in you, you know, get things going just like Sam Laporta. I mean, Sam Laporta must got injected with some, you know, magic serum type of thing to be able to play after that injury. Yeah, I mean, so it's definitely it's definitely a mentality, right? Like and Debo's gonna be coming in with that mentality to snatch the chain from CJ Gardner Johnson. So Kyle's game plan, if you're Kyle Shanahan, what is your initial game plan and why are you why is that gonna be your initial game plan? 
Yeah, I mean, I wrote an article about this, um, and some people might disagree, but I, I think the number one thing for the 49ers is to remain balanced on offense. A lot of people looked at the blueprint of the last game. They were not happy, myself included, with the way the 49ers utilized the run game. 49ers seemed pass-heavy, and it wasn't working at times against the Green Bay Packers' pass defense, whereas the run game was churning. Christian McCaffrey averaged over six yards per carry in that game, but only had 11 carries going into the fourth quarter. You know, there was a discrepancy there. However, in this game, when you look at the defense that you're facing, when you're looking at the statistics, Detroit has one of the best run defenses in the NFL. They're second or third best, allow under 90 yards a game on the ground. They allow only 3.7 yards per carry. They're pretty stout against the run. However, they struggle against the pass. They are 27th in passing yards allowed per game, 247 yards per game. You can you can, you can chalk it up as to how you want. Maybe it's because in partial because they were beating teams up. Obviously, teams can't run the ball as much. They have to throw. But even if you look at the efficiency, favors the run, doesn't favor the pass, which is why I think the 49ers would not be surprised if Shanahan goes aggressive to start the game. What do I mean by that? Goes with pass-heavy approach. You might see you know, a lot of passing on early downs. Try and get things going. Try and create those explosive plays because the Lions give up a ton of explosive plays, both on the ground and in the air. That's one of the biggest issues with that defense is that they give up a lot of explosive plays. If you look at receivers, the Lions give up the most yards in the NFL to receivers in the passing game, and they give it up at 13, 14 yards per yards per catch, which is a you know a bottom five mark in the NFL. If you look at tight ends, the Lions give up the ninth most yards to tight ends, uh, you know, but it's a discrepancy with the other teams. Tight ends, a lot of their volume comes in the short area. The Lions give up a ton of explosive plays to tight ends. They only allow four catches a game, but allow around 55 to 56 yards a game. And that mark is a top, you know, bottom three mark in the NFL in terms of yards per catch to tight ends. So if you look at it, the numbers significantly favor the 49ers in their passing attack. I think that that's where Kyle Shanahan should look to be balanced, but also keep the Lions, you know, grounded. By involving the run game just as they did, but to to a, to a larger extent than in the Packers game. I think if you have a combination of both, you're forcing Detroit to potentially remain in their base package a little more than you expect. Maybe incorporate 12 personnel or some 22 personnel to try and get some mismatches um, a little more than often. But find different ways as well to create those chunk plays because your personnel is better than the Lions personnel when it comes to the secondary. They're beat up in the secondary. They Their top corner is Cam Sutton. He's solid. Apart from that, you don't really have too many top level options in that secondary for the Lions that can cover who the 49ers have on their roster. And I think when you look at the the matchup, right? Not only is it the that the Detroit Lions are a good run defense, right? But when you look at their their talent on defense, it doesn't really stick out to me in terms of who do you match up one-on-one with George Kittle? Who do you match up one-on-one with Brandon Ayuk because they like to be very aggressive, and that Aaron Glenn over there, he likes to blitz because he likes he his defense of mentality, their team mentality is be super aggressive under Dan Campbell. So they're going to send a lot of pressures to whoever to whoever team they're playing. In this instance, it's going to be Brock Purdy, a quarterback. When you blitz him, who is great against the pressure, um, great against the blitz. So for me, looking at it, it favors the 49ers a ton. Um, why? Kyle Shanahan understands they're going to be bringing pressure. It means he's going to have Brandon Ayuk as the number one route 
a lot because Cameron Sutton, in my opinion, who I think they may try to shadow um, with Brandon Ayuk, is not going to be able to cover Brandon Ayuk. You then have George Kittle. They don't have. They have two small of safeties, and if they do, they put Israel um, Mukoamu on George Kittle. It's nightmares for him. He cannot cover uh, George Kittle at all, in my opinion. Um, either of their linebackers, they're not great in coverage. So for me, I'm looking at it. I'm like, this is a very favorable matchup for George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. Um, I think this could be a game where both of those receivers go for over 100 yards um, with Debo very close behind. Definitely a game where, like you said, um, be aggressive on first down. I think Kyle Shanahan could go uh, a lot more play action on first down. Um, I think this is the kind of game where, in my opinion, last week I thought Kyle Shanahan was – his first down calls were very questionable. Um, he got behind on the – I agree. Too often on first down. And for me, when you, if you do that against a Lions team, they will make you pay because they're going to send pressure on second and third and longs. Like they're going to send pressure. So for the end of the day, I think first, first downs have to be aggressive. Um, one of the stats that I saw against the um, the Detroit Lions defense, I'm going to pull up the stat real quick, my bad. So their defense, the yards allowed per, per play in the playoffs so far has been 7.8 and 6.8 yards per play, which essentially mm-hmm. is they're giving up explosive plays left and right. And I think this is the perfect opportunity for Kyle to have the deep middle of the field as well as the deep outside of the field. And what I mean by the outside is the numbers, right? Which is Brandon right. Ayuk all day. This game screams to me, Brandon Ayuk could go for, for over 150 passing yards, uh, receiving Whoa. yards with okay. um, over 150. Um, and it sounds like a lot, but really it's not because of the way this defense is constructed. It's not a good defense against receivers, like you just said, um, or tight ends. Um, and I think this is a game Kyle uses Brandon Ayuk to his advantage in terms of matching him up with Cameron Sutton. And then you're going to have Debo matched up with CJ Garner Johnson because Garner Johnson is not going away from that battle. And I'm taking Debo Samuel 10 out of 10. I can see that. And when you talk about, you know, uh, the explosive play rate, you brought up Brandon Ayuk, obviously, and his capability. I think this game is going to be another testament to Brock Purdy because I believe the Lions blitz at around a 30% rate this season. But you're right, they'll like to pile it up on second and on third downs if it's second and third and longs, which is why those first down play calls have to be on point. As uh, In addition, I mean, Dan Campbell understands the limitations and the you know where his defense excels. He said earlier this week, we are going to be willing to give something to get something in return. He wants to be aggressive. He wants to hit and essentially try and bring the 49ers philosophy to themselves. He wants to be physical because if he thinks the 49ers can, or if he thinks the Lions can match the 49ers physicality, that's been Campbell's MO since he arrived in Detroit. He believes the 49ers could be worn out by the fourth quarter, which is when they can finally start to capitalize. And so he thinks the risk versus reward, um, you know, formula is going to favor the Lions if they, if they follow that trend. He's willing to give up explosive plays because he understands that this defense is going to do that. So with that in mind, they're going to try and play with an opportunistic try and, uh, type of sense. Try and force a turnover. Try and force a sack off a blitz. You know, Try and back them up and do these different things to where the Lions you know, are slightly increasing their favor uh, or their odds 
with every drive with the hope of becoming opportunistic and getting more opportunities on the offensive end where they're clearly better and are a top five unit in football. If you're not subscribed to either channel, make sure you go to Clutch Gene Sports or Rohan Chakavarti's personal channel. Make sure you guys subscribe to both channels. Hit the like button if you're already there. Do us a favor and do that for us. Now, for me, I think Kyle has to be more aggressive than he was last game. And what I mean by that is ending the half, right? That was a very big question mark for Kyle Shanahan, letting the time run down, settling for a field goal. In my opinion, he was coaching to not lose. And I think he needs to coach to win in, in this game. And what I mean by that is the aggressiveness. Dan Campbell is going to go for it on fourth down at some point, and he may go for it twice or three times during the game. This is a, a coach on the opposite side who is going to coach extremely aggressive, and he's not going to settle for field goals. He's going to make sure he gets points on the board or at least tries to put touchdowns on the board because he understands <clears throat> the Niners could score. And I think Kyle needs to do the same exact thing. I mean, not necessarily to the aggressive extent of Dan Campbell where you're going for it on fourth and fourth and four from your own 45 at like midfield. Not to that extent because you will see Dan Campbell get that aggressive at times. And usually they pick it up because they have the right play call and a great offensive coordinator who's soon to be head coach of the commanders, uh, Ben Johnson. But I think Kyle needs to be, he needs to go blow for blow. And I think you take like last game against the Packers, you take the first punch from the Detroit Lions. They're going to throw the kitchen sink at you in the first quarter. They're going to give you looks that you have not seen on defense. Offensively, they're going to be super aggressive. It's all up to the 49ers on whether they could take the best blow of the, of the Detroit Lions and punch back. And I think Kyle's going to have a couple of, in my opinion, elite play in there for George Kittle um, for a super aggressive linebacking group that likes to come downhill, um, a safety group that isn't that great in coverage. So for me, this, is, this Kyle Shanahan game plan is going to be way more aggressive than it was against the Packers, whether it's on fourth down, whether it's going into the half. I don't see him holding up because that's an offense uh, an offense across from him that could put up 40 points on any team, in my opinion. So definitely going to see a much more aggressive Kyle Shanahan. Now, how do you slow Jared Goff and the Lions offense down? I, I'm i going to pull up a quote, but I'm going to not necessarily read it word for word, but Nick Bosa came up and said, Jared Goff is essentially Jared Goff. You put pressure on Jared Goff. You hit him a few times. You get him off rhythm. You get his timing off. Now, his his offensive line is great, but you got to put pressure on him. If you decide, you take away his first read. And this is the biggest part that I caught from that little snippet. And, and it kind of may be something Steve Wilkes and the defensive coaching staff, including Kyle Shanahan, are talking about taking away the first read from Jared Goff because if Jared Goff's first read is not there, he likes to check it down into his to his check down. What does that kind of quote tell you in terms of slowing down an explosive offense like the Detroit Lions down? Well, yeah, I think that there's a lot to take away from that, and that's pointing out Jared Goff. I think the number one thing though for the 49ers is figuring out some way to limit the capabilities of the Lions in the run game. Um, I, I wrote today, that's the Lions' biggest advantage because if you look at the way that the Lions utilize their running backs and also look at the ways the 49ers struggled at times in the last few games in the run, well, there are similarities. Last week, the 49ers, if you if you look at it, the 49ers, they, they gave up 108 yards to Aaron Jones, six yards a carry. Now, Aaron Jones got 53 of those yards on one carry. 
34 or sorry, he he ended up rushing, I believe, for 3.2 yards in the remainder of his carries. But if you look at the plays where Aaron Jones was able to get success, it was a lot of rushes outside or in like a lot of rushes or outside or behind the tackles. There were a couple of those that got five yards, that got six yards, that got seven yards. You know, a couple of those chunk plays that can really help move things along offensively. Well, if you look at the Lions, they've got David Montgomery, who's more of a downhill runner. He'll run straight into the gut of the defense, try and get those four yards of carry. That's kind of the, the place that he's going for. And then you have Jameer Gibbs. Gibbs is their change of pace guy. He had 74 yards, including a 32-yard touchdown on only nine carries last game against that Tampa Bay defense. Almost every single one of his explosive plays was to the outside. Now, the 49ers, without, you know, without Cleveland Farrell in there, and again, Cleveland Farrell is just a rotational piece, but he started every game, and his number one talent is the run defense. Without Cleveland Farrell in there, with Chase Young kind of starting, the 49ers struggled to contain at times on the outside, and that led to a couple of those plays for Aaron Jones last week. You can't afford to do that consistently because near Gibbs. Real quick, Rohan. So I did, see, I did see someone mention, would you move Arik Armstead outside in that Cleveland Farrell role on base downs and put Javon Kinlaw into in the inside to slow down their runs on first downs because they do like to run the ball on first down and they but they also like to go heavy play action on first down so if you do that you lose your pass rushing ability but would you put Arik Armstead on the outside a little bit more to slow down their run game because Chase Young did struggle or do you move Chase Young inside and let um Armstead be outside to slow the run down that's a good question I think that I think you can make an argument for Armstead being on the outside. However, I just don't think that that's going to happen. The reason being uh, a twofold. One, Armstead's injury. Armstead, the main thing he's going to lose with a foot injury, that like the one that he's battling, and the one that's going to keep him limited likely this week as well, he didn't play the full game last week, remember, is his foot speed. I don't think his speed is going to be as capable um, as an edge rusher with the injury that he's currently battling. I think he's going to rely more on his power and on his uh, on his technique and balance to kind of remain a force in the middle. And it, I think it worked to an extent last week because Jones didn't really have many good gains up the middle uh, last week. So I think that, you know, that's something that you could explore. I just don't think that that'll happen because of that. And two, the 49ers have said in, during the offseason, that they really weren't looking to experiment with Armstead on the outside as much. And even in a matchup like this, I don't know. I think it's just too late to try and rely on that. I think the the better option might be, you know, you, you do try and provide some help on the back end. Maybe the way that you're fitting your run gaps, per, perhaps, you know, you have two guys containing with uh, a guy kind of helping out uh, Chase Young. And that might mean, you know, you, you need some really good nickel fits, or you might need some more base packages to help out Chase Young with that third linebacker or something like that. But the thing is, it adds an extra, a little bit of extra responsibility on another defender if you're going to try and figure out the best way to contain. And so I think that there are certain things that you could do, but I also think it makes it the job difficult for the defense, which is why that loss for Farrell is an underrated one and one that I personally didn't see having as big of an impact as it did. So I think that that's one of the issues um, as to that. And so that's why I'll go with, I don't think that that'll happen and that the 49ers will need to find a different way to minimize or mitigate the run impact that the Detroit Lions will have. Absolutely. Now, how do you slow Jared Goff down? Because now the Nick Bosa did mention taking away that first read, which is very, it's always been 
a way to get after Jared Goff, taking away his first read, which his first reads are they're, they're great receivers. And you got Amon Ross St. Brown yeah. and Sam Laporta as your first read most of the time. That's a great one-two combo in the past game. Um, one of the best one-two combos in the NFL, in my opinion. Now, how do you slow that down? You've taken away Amon Ross St. Brown. You're taking away Sam Laporta. They also have a blazer in Jameson Williams, who was drafted in the first round. How do you take away his first read? And is that going to be a recipe for success? Or do, does the check down to Jameer Gibbs, Devont, uh, David Montgomery, and sometimes it's Sam Laporta who's a check down. Is that a big factor in this game? Or does Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw take away the check downs? Now, this is a good question because, like I said, there were there are two different blueprints kind of on Jared Goff when it comes to the playoffs. If you look at his last week's performance, it was more, you know, it was more underneath stuff for Goff. Goff uh, had 30 completions, threw the ball 43 times, but only completed them for 287 yards, averaged under 10 yards of completion, which is pretty low, and then averaged, obviously, uh, only 6.7 yards per attempt. He, he threw the ball a lot to the checkdowns. Laporta had nine catches for 65 yards. I mean, St. Brown still had his, you know, he still had eight catches, but only 77 yards on them, under 10 yards a catch, and... Uh, guys like Jameer Gibbs. Gibbs had four catches. David Montgomery had three of his own. A lot of checkdowns, you know, but the, the Lions were still able to move the ball offensively. The number one thing, I think, when you talk about taking away that read, it's really difficult to contain Amon Ross St. Brown because when you have a talented offensive coordinator like Ben Johnson, what are they able to do? Well, Johnson moves St. Brown a lot. He plays in the slot like around 50% of the time and on the outside. And so why is that a concern? Because if you're trying to take away option like that, the number one thing a lot of corners try and do, or a lot of defenses try and do is place your top corner on their top receiver. You'll have a guy like Traverius Ward shadow Amon Ross St. Brown, but St. Brown operates out of the slot half the time, which means he's likely going to also go up against Diamondo Lenore. And if they don't shadow him, you'll have matchups against Ambry Thomas. I don't think that's a great recipe for success. I think when St. Brown's not in the slot, you do shadow him. And maybe even at times when he is, you do shadow him though. I think with Traverius Ward in this one, however, the reason the line go ahead. Yeah, I, I do. But the reason also that I think about this is the Lions offense is extremely explosive with some guys that are able to catch the ball downfield. Jameson Williams is a blazer. He's got great speed. He isn't, you know, he he's still carving a role in this Lions offense. Isn't like a prominent featured guy always, but he averaged over uh, around 15 yards per catch this year. And we know that he's got the speed to keep up. The other guy that we didn't mention, Josh Reynolds, averaged over 15 yards a catch this year. He's another guy who is going to be a deep threat that can also get, you know, a significant amount of uh of yards on on, on certain catches. If you look though in the in the wild card game. Goff had a completely different game. He had 22 of 27 passing, 277 yards, over 10 yards per attempt, not completion, per attempt. And if you look at the blueprint in that one, St. Brown had a good game. Josh Reynolds went for 16 yards per catch. And even though that there were still the checkdowns, you know, Gibbs had four catches, Laporta had three catches. It was a lot more downfield passing. And so that's why it's really tough. Not only are you worried about the run game, but there are a lot of different ways that Ben Johnson likes to utilize his receivers, both downfield and in the checkdown realm, which means execution is going to have to be at its finest. I think the one thing you initially do is Charverius Ward. I think you do shadow him on Amon Ross St. Brown, because like you said, 
it becomes harder for Jared Goff after that first read. St. Brown is the first read more often than not. And so I think that if you can try and take away the first read, you trust your defensive line to potentially get home, start getting some of those sacks that they haven't gotten as much out of. And that's where you might try and get the chains moving and make it harder for them to accept checkdowns, understanding that there might be longer down to distance or distance it's, down. It's interesting that you say Charverius Ward to shadow because me and Josh Harper were talking about it, and we both actually disagree in the sense of we think Charverius Ward isn't as great against smaller, shiftier receivers like Armin Raw. And we actually think the one who should shadow him is the nominal Lenore. Um, actually, letting oh, that's him, that, okay. I think that that's fair. I think you could see that. Go ahead, though. And letting and letting Demo, who has played like one of the best corners in the NFL throughout his postseason career, has played like a top 20 corner this year. If you look at his stats and when he moves outside to inside, like he's played at a, at a very high level. So allowing him to be the guy to take away um, Jared Goff's first read, having him take away Amon Ross St. Brown, having uh, Traverius Ward man up on one side of the field. And if, if Ambry Thomas has to move inside a couple of plays against when, when Amon Ross lines up outside on that side in Demo's there, it is what it is. You got to, you're, they're not putting Isaiah Oliver in the game. You're going to have to do what you have to do. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it, I don't see them letting Tarverius Ward man up. Um, if they do, I'd be very surprised if he if he's shadowing and going across the field. Um, not something I don't think they'll let Demo do it either. But it'll just if they do allow someone to do, I do think Demo is better fit for that. Now, in the secondary, the 49ers have an option, right? You either go one safety or another. Um, it's and this is a very big factor on how you slow this offense down. Because this offense is very explosive, the wrong angles lead to touchdowns. In my opinion, I do think taking away the first read of Jared Goff is super important. Because when Jared Goff's first read is there, he's usually on and it's on target, and they're mm -hmm. picking up five to ten yards each play. Like they're moving, their their offense moves in rhythm when he is getting his first read. Now, who do you start, Logan Ryan or Jair Brown? That's a good question, personally. I think the my pick is not going to be the one that is going to happen. I think Jair Brown should start. I didn't. I I wasn't too impressed with Logan Ryan. Obviously, the number one big play was the fifty-three yard yard you know run for Aaron Jones, but Brown Brown has a, a level of aggressiveness to him. He has good you know he has good closing speed. He's got a he's got a different feel about him that where you don't feel he's hesitant to go and make that tackle. He's going to go up and try and you know press up on and, and fill his lane, but also not, he's going to have the confidence to go and try and make that play on the spot. I think against an offense uh, like the lions, I think that that's going to be valuable, you know, and Brown said himself, he, 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 he didn't agree with the call to bench him for Logan Ryan, but he understood it. It was a, it was a team kind of, you know, it's a team decision, but I didn't think that the move benefited for the 49ers in this past game. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they make a switch obviously coming into this week the one thing is brown's injury still seems like it might be lingering a little bit and so that might you know hurt him and shanahan also has an affinity to go with the veterans i absolutely didn't like the idea of benching jair brown now it could be they that they felt like you know what his injury he isn't fully good to go um, that may be the case we don't know the severity of the injury and and how right he was during practice right now for me i thought it was just a confidence thing like you don't break confidence of a young rookie and now it's kind of hard to break confidence of a, a, a rookie who speaks like a vet and plays like a vet 
But with Jair Brown, I just felt like the last couple of games he started, he was coming into his own, playing really good football, taking better angles, making big hits. And then you put in a player who arrived towards the end of the season when all the safeties started going down and you see him give up a big, a big run, um, not mm-hmm. fitting the, not fitting the whole right over pursuing, getting out of lanes. I felt like even in the past, in the past coverage, he wasn't the greatest on one of the, on the Ambry, Ambry Thomas um, pass interference. They were in quarters coverage in quarters coverage. You're not supposed to be underneath as the same. Correct. Yeah. 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 That's, that's another one. That's another one. So for me, it's like, what's the difference if we're having a veteran out there making these mistakes versus the Ricky who's out there making these mistakes at 100 miles per hour? Logan Ryan isn't going 100 miles. He is. He's a lot slower than Jair Brown. Uh, Jair Brown. So for me, it was definitely one of those ones where I was like, you're in quarters coverage. You cannot be getting beat deep. Now that Ambry Thomas gives up the PI, they go on and they score a few plays later. But it definitely was in my opinion Logan Ryan's fault. When you're in quarters coverage, you have help over the top in that in that situation. Uh Ambry Thomas did not have that help. And then he gives up that long run. Just to me, it just does not make sense if Jair Brown is not starting this week. This is a perfect opportunity to start Jair Brown against a quarterback that has a tendency to, to give turnovers. When Niners have a safety who has a tendency to create turnovers. His name's Jair Brown. He's done it throughout college. He's done it his first couple of games as a rookie. He creates turnovers. It is it, it's when you have players like that, you play them. And I think it's understandable to not want rookies on the field. But I would I trust Jair Brown right now more than I trust Ambry Thomas. And Ambry Thomas isn't a rookie. So for me, yeah. it's put your best players on the damn field. At the end of the day, it's I get Kyle Shanahan's tendency to not want to play rookies and, and you want to red shirt them so they understand the game of the speed the speed of the game and understand coverages and this xyz but at the end of the day you got to play your best players and jair brown is one of your better players at safety since hufanga got hurt um i think he would be a better better player than logan ryan at this point i'm very interested to see that now what is your biggest reason of concern going up against the detroit lions team who is Super aggressive, has an explosive offense, but also has a defense that gives up the explosive play. I think it's pace. It's it's the time of possession. And it's more importantly, the control of the game. I think the Lions, with the way that their offense works, have the ability to potentially control the pace of this game. And I think if they do that and kind of make it on their terms, it'll be tougher for the 49ers to accomplish certain factors, such as, you know, trying to go out to multiple score leads, such as trying to create an identity on offense, maybe even getting their defense off the field, leaving longer stretches in between possessions. And so I think there are different, different factors like that. But most importantly, I think it's the Lions run game. The 49ers haven't really been tested with a strong run game in the playoffs yet. Obviously, the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Jones is a good running back, and he had been going over 100 yards in three consecutive games. The Packers didn't use him enough. They didn't use him enough, just like the Niners didn't use McCaffrey enough in the run game, that is. And so I think the Lions, though, they've shown an affinity to use both of their running backs. Maybe they got to use him more, but I think Ben Johnson's going to look to try and exploit the matchups that he can. And I think the the main issue is if the run game is working, the Packers are sorry, the Lions are going to go for that play action. They're going to go for those shot plays. And usually those connect at a higher rate when you see one side of the field's working because the team is going to try and stop that side of the field. And the 49ers are a good defense. They're a bend-don't-break team, 
They have not allowed many touchdowns. They have got, allowed teams to get into their territory like they did against the Packers, but not allow many touchdowns. That is, I think, going to be a defining moment. How do they defend in the red zone? And how does that kind of portion go? Because I do think the Lions offense is going to be able to move the football. And I, I do think, for me, the biggest reason of concern is our secondary against this explosive offense. And what I mean by secondary is more mainly Ambry Thomas, Logan Ryan. And I would throw in Sean Gibson in there a little bit. And for me, the reason why I think it's um, concerning is Ambry Thomas is capable of giving up a deep play at any moment. Deshaun Gibson slipped and gave up a touchdown. Now I don't think the foot the footing of this game should be an issue. I mean, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be wet and slippery. It should be a great weather game. But then you do have Logan Ryan, who wasn't great, hasn't in my opinion has not been great since he started playing with the Niners. Outside of his uh, when he had a, a nice play breaking up a pass, like that. Outside of that, I think he's been pretty bad. One of the worst safeties mm-hmm. on the team, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. for me. It's one of those ones where I do think the 49ers secondary is concerning, but I also think the run game is concerning because this is not just an Aaron Jones one-headed monster in the backfield. David Montgomery is a hell of a running back. Jameer Gibbs, probably one of the top 10 running back in the league already. He doesn't get the workload, but capable of breaking one deep at any moment. Now that to me, those two things right there is slowing down that offense. It is concerning. But I do take Fred Warner's word for it. This defense will be better is what he said. I I agree with him. I think it'll be much better. Now, for me, I'm excited for for a few matchups. Now, we have Debo versus Chauncey Gardner, uh, Gardner Johnson, right? Mm -hmm. So for those of you who do not know what happened between these two, well, Chauncey Gardner Johnson and Debo Samuel got into it. Debo, Debo, Debo pretty much told him he would whoop on him again, like like Garner Johnson got whipped on by the Bears receiver when he got punched in the head and beat up on. Garner Johnson told Debo that he's not a running, he's not a receiver, he's just a running back, and he'll lock him up, and he can't run routes. X Y they're just talking banter, and Debo essentially was like, "This dude's just mad because I got a bag, and and he no one knows who he is." Now, C.J. Garner Johnson, a really good safety for some reason, didn't get paid by the Saints or the Eagles. The Eagles definitely wish they would have paid him because yeah. their secondary was, was not great. Yeah. So for me, he definitely is a player who, in my opinion, is a good safety. The trash talk has been there. Debo Samuel might not even play because of injury, but I expect him to fully go. Um, so keeping the faith. So if you, what happened at the beginning, earlier in the season, they literally told each other and, and Debo said it. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to continue talking. I'll see you all in the playoffs when we see you guys, if you make it there, because you play for Detroit. Mm-hmm. And then CJ Gardner-Johnson told him, don't let me catch you slipping in the playoffs or whatever round we see y'all. So he pretty much said it's fade on sight. And if you know what fade on sight means, it, it essentially, if you don't know what that means, is the moment you see each other, you're throwing down. It's going to blows. Now, he said they're, not, they're playing football. They're not going to go to blows. But if CJ Gardner-Johnson and Debo line it up, they're making sure they go at it. What is your thoughts on this matchup? CJ Garner Johnson versus Debo Samuel. Who wins this matchup? We've seen Debo talk his shit to the Philadelphia Eagles, talk to talk, and then he stood on business. Does Debo stand on business this game, or does, does 
Gardner Johnson get the better of Debo Samuel? Does Debo not have that much of a game? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Chauncey Gardner Johnson's a good player. He's a good player, and a lot of times when you see good defensive backs, one thing they like to do is they like to talk. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything against it. I mean, everybody's got a right to talk the way that they want to talk. He definitely has irked some people. Debo Samuel being one of them. I think this is an intriguing battle because it goes back to what the 49ers' identity is, and it goes back to also something that Dan Campbell said, and that is uh, about the physicality. Dan Campbell's going to look to bring the physicality, look to be opportunistic. The 49ers are the epitome of physicality. We've seen it with you know the way that teams play after they be, play the 49ers, um, the record there, and you also see it in Debo Samuel, who's one of the more physical players. Now, I wonder how the physicality will be in this game because Debo Samuel is playing with a hurt shoulder. A shoulder is kind of important when you are, you know, banging and you, you, you're you're in there with runs, with yards after the catch, whatever it may be. But I think you'll definitely see some fireworks in this one. Um, I, I I definitely think so. Um, you'll you'll see some fireworks from both sides. Although one thing I will say is there's been a a pretty high level of mutual respect so far when it comes to the Packers and it comes to the or sorry not the Packers the Lions and the 49ers. It seems like for the most part it's been respectful. And, and it is going to be it's respectful because at the end of the day they understand that they're both really talented teams. Now, once those pads are strapped, the Niners like to talk with their pads. And Debo essentially said, "I'll talk. I'll see you when I see you. I'm not going to talk. You're just mad I got paid. You didn't." Um, I think Debo is going to play, and I think he's going to be an X factor in this game. I think he's going to be. A, I think Debo has a touchdown in this game, um, whether it's a rushing touchdown or receiving touchdown. The fact that he's already playing in today's uh, practicing in a limited fashion today's what Thursday. I didn't think he was going to see the field until Friday to give him that extra day of recovery. That means he's fully. He's a full go. Um, to, in yeah. my opinion, I think no, as soon as he as soon as he stepped on the field today, there's no doubt. When you see a guy who goes limited, limited in a playoff game, it, it's tight. So initially, I told I told Rohan like I might use him as a decoy. We'll go definitely line it up, and I think D was going to get the better of Cha- uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who, in my opinion, he's not good in coverage. Debo's not wrong; he's not good in coverage. He could hit, he could fill the gaps. He's a good tackler, but line up one on one with Debo one time. Let Debo match up with you. I guarantee you, Debo gets you on that one. You ain't gonna do it. Trust me. Now I don't think they're going to allow that. Yeah, they won't allow it because they know who will win, and and coaches aren't dumb. Now, Brock struggled last week. Plain and simple, came through at the end of the game, game winning drive. That's what he'll be remembered for. He won't be remembered for having a shitty game, but I remember that. You remember it. A lot of fans remember it. Does he, does Brock Purdy bounce back this week, and does he have a much better game? Because if my opinion, if Brock Purdy had a regular game. And it doesn't have to be a good game. If you had a regular game, the Niners blow the Green Bay Packers out. Blow them out. Not even, not a question. The fact that he struggled, probably one of the worst games we've seen from Brock Purdy, and they still won, tells me a lot about this 49ers team. Now, if Brock Purdy, like I said, a regular game, Niners blow out the Packers. Does he bounce back, in your opinion? And why does he bounce back? Yeah, I think this is a good question. I mean, when you if you talk about it, Purdy last week struggled. He said he struggled. He said he, there are a couple of things that he wanted back. But I think the number one thing when it comes to the playoffs is how you end. And this is something that I think you've kind of waited to see. Me personally, I know I've waited to see. I wanted to see Brock Purdy in one of these situations. How does he bounce back, you know, while uh, back against the wall in a situation where he hasn't been great? How does he play at the end of the day? It was two young quarterbacks going at it. Some might have Jordan Love over Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy got the deal done. He got it done last week. 
He was the one who helped the 49ers get into that go-ahead touchdown drive. Six to seven on the final drive, had 44 yards, also had the nine-yard scramble that led to the McCaffrey touchdown. You know, a lot of key key moments, and I think that that's important. Now, against the Lions, you're going to hope Brock Purdy plays better for a whole 60 minutes. And so in this game, do I think he gets, do I think he bounces back? And my answer is yes. Said earlier this uh, in this stream, I think this game is going to rely a little more on Brock Purdy. And I think the 49ers are going to need to be aggressive in the passing attack. But the reason I say yes is statistical. The statistics back Brock Purdy and the 49ers. This is not a great Lions defense overall. It is not. I mean, they just allowed Baker Mayfield. I understand he had two interceptions. They're coming from behind. Baker Mayfield just threw for 350 yards. He he, he just did, um, you know. And then the, the week before that, Matthew Stafford threw for 367 and two touchdowns. Now, you can say what you want about Brock Purdy, but this is a favorable matchup for the 49ers against the Lions secondary. I think that that's their biggest advantage in this game, the 49ers' core weapons against the Lions and their defense in the secondary. Purdy is a guy who is known to evade he doesn't take sacks. I think that that's the one thing the Lions kind of have going for them with pressure. You're hoping that he, you know, identifies the blitz as he normally does. If he does, then I think he'll be fine in getting the ball off, hitting his hot reads and things like that. So to me, do I think Brock Purdy bounces back? I truly do think so. I think he has a good game. Now, I could see this game being a close game at the finish line. Now, personally, I have the 49ers projected probably to beat the Lions by over a touchdown. But should it be close? You're going to see another test about Brock Purdy and whether he can pull through in the clutch against Jared Goff and company. So far, he's one for one, but I, I, I believe he'll have a solid game. I think the matchup calls for it, and I think it also favors the 49ers skill position players. I definitely think Brock has a bounce back game because it is one of the worst defenses, in my opinion. It's been one of the worst defenses throughout the NFL all season long. People are like, oh, they're, they're a good team. They're winning. Mm, the film has always said otherwise for me. At least that's what I've noticed. I felt like this Lions defense hasn't been great, and I really do feel like the 49ers offense is going to be able to average seven yards per play. I mean, when you're going up seven yard, about 7.3 yards per play over two playoff games against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the uh, Los Angeles Rams, those aren't good. I mean, the Rams are a good offense. I don't think the Bucks are a great offense that should be averaging eight, seven to eight yards a, a play. It's Baker Mayfield. At the end of the day, CJ, I know you said Baker was cooking, but at the end of the day, Baker's Baker. Baker don't cook much. If anything, Baker Mayfield cooks you a, a pizza crust that you get to throw in the oven that's already frozen. He doesn't bake much. He doesn't cook much. And at the end of the day, for the Niners, Brock is capable of being a really good quarterback, and we've seen it. Now, the middle of the field should be open. That's where Brock pretty loves to eat. Now, that's going to be open. You also have the, in my opinion, the outsides are going to be open because their corners aren't good. So I do think Brock definitely, definitely has a very big bounce back game. And people are going to be like, oh, well, last week didn't even matter because last week don't matter. All that matters to you is you get, keep going. You keep winning, getting to that next stage. A win is a win is a win is a win. That's all that matters. A win is a win. I don't care mm -hmm. how you get there. It could be the ugliest way to get there. But the moment that he came through, Something I've been wanting to see from Brock Purdy, and I've always said this, is that was a huge moment for Brock Purdy to show that he's capable of leading a come-from-behind win. I don't care if it was a three-point victory. It uh, 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 took a long damn time to, to get there. For Brock Purdy, going six for seven on that final drive to win the game was clutch. 
It was had a couple of tough throws too. Two two really tough throws. The Ayuk one, and then obviously the important one to Conley on the uh, on the uh, on the post corner so post. That's when when I think Brock gave me like okay, like we could win with Brock. Like that gave me confidence in Brock, and I've been one that is is a little bit more hesitant to to give Brock that praise. I think he has a bounce back game. I think the Niners win 35-31. Uh, what is your score prediction for this game? I think 35-31, Niners win by four. Um, but what is your your thoughts on on this game and the score prediction before we head out? Yeah, I think uh, if you talk about it, 35-31, I, I think that that makes sense in terms of you expect a little more scoring in this one, right? I, I think the 49ers and Lions, both with good, uh, good offenses, both with defenses that have struggled at times. And so you can understand it. I believe the over-under is like a 51 and a half, which is um, a lot higher than it is for the Ravens and the Chiefs game. I'm going to go with the 49ers to be favored a little more. And this is the second consecutive week that I've been bullish on the Niners. I had them winning 41-24 last week. My official prediction was them to cover the spread against the Packers. Clearly wrong. Clearly wrong. But also, the 49ers probably played like a C game, maybe a C-minus game, whereas the Packers probably played a B-minus game, that type of thing. This week, I'm going to be bullish on them again. Um, you know, it's a seven and a half point spread. I don't think they cover the full seven and a half points, but I also think it'll be them coming on top and then the Lions trying to come back. I think the 49ers win 30 to 24. We'll go 30 to 24. It's a six point game but it'll be one of those more comfortable type of victories in the sense that they're in control for a majority of this game. Definitely going to be one of those games where anything could happen. And, and just like CJ Gray says, is just hoping for a win. That's all. At the end of the day, the Niners will have to face a tough AFC opponent in the Super Bowl. As we both predict, they're going to be winning this game. All 49er fans should have some faith. As you are the faithful, you should be faithful in your team winning this week. I think is definitely a game that the Niners can win. If you are not already subscribed to both channels, make sure you go to Rohan Chakravarti's personal channel. Make sure you subscribe to Clutch Gene Sports. We will be back next Wednesday around 4, 4 o'clock. Hopefully we're talking the 49ers in the Super Bowl. That'd be a great way to continue the show. Now, Rohan, I appreciate you for tuning for jumping on with me. Everyone that has tuned in, thank you guys for tuning in. The faithful is out. Thank you.